Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey guys, it's Erin Carey, and I am so excited today to have a conversation about having authentic conversations. But before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor for today. Today's podcast is sponsored by AMP Human. Now, AMP Human is providing 15% off their amazing vitamin D plus lotion today just for listeners. So I got to tell you about this lotion because it has been so cold lately. I'm not getting outside as much as I usually do. And that means it is really important for me to make sure that I'm supplementing with vitamin D. And what I love about this vitamin D plus lotion is that it delivers vitamin D directly through the skin. In just two pumps, I put it on my inner forearms, contain 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 to boost my immunity, improve my sleep quality, and support brain function. And it's also backed by two clinical trials, which I think is really important as well. It's proven to triple vitamin D levels within three to four months of daily use. I love it because it's easy, I remember it, I can take it with me anywhere in case I don't. Say goodbye to pills and say hello to vitamin D plus lotion. This is the easiest way to do vitamin D. All you have to do to get your D plus lotion plus the 15% off is visit amphuman.com wholeness. Use the code wholeness15 to get 15% off vitamin D plus lotion today. Again, that's amphuman.com slash wholeness. Use the code wholeness15 to get 15% off. Now let's get right into today's episode. Today, I'm super excited to be sitting down with Kathy Craffy. She is the host of Fireside Talk Radio. She is the queen of fun and coffee cup philosopher. She delivers creativity and encouragement in every word. With journalistic fervor and a knack for laughter and storytelling, Kathy puts a snappy spin on deeply spiritual truths. She has authored two books so far. The Well is the first one. It's The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversation. And soon to be released, her other book is called Marriage Conversations, From Coexisting to Cherished. And I am so excited to get to talk to Kathy. And we're going to get into her website and her podcast as well and all the good stuff. But first off, I just want to welcome you, Kathy, to the show. Hi, Erin. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. And we are also doing this on video, which is which is fun to be able to see each other. And you might be watching this on YouTube. You might be listening. However, you are listening to this conversation and or viewing it. It's going to be a good one. And so real quick background, I do want to share how I know Kathy. And it's just kind of like one of those weird things of worlds colliding. I knew Kathy when Gosh, it was around the time I first moved to East Texas as a little girl. She at that time had two daughters. Now she has two daughters and a son as well. Um, but at that time, you know, I just as, as a child, like, I'm just like, oh, this is a cute family. They're really nice people. And just, you know, moving on. Well, come to find out now she has this podcast that reaches millions of people. What is it? Um, over 2 million views or listens, downloads a year. Is that correct? Yeah, and this past year, this is so surprising. I'm an accidental everything, Erin. This year, we had over 3,000. Can you believe that? I mean, honestly, we cannot believe it. We're so excited and surprised. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I think the the world of podcasting is blowing up, but it's also a testament to just your personality and how much fun you are. And I will say, I do want to get into the books and we'll get into that in a minute, but I, I want just to, for you to share a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got to where you are now. Okay, and speaking of fun, I don't want to forget to tell people you did, I I am quoting you all over the place right now because (laughs) you came on my show, Fireside Talk Radio, and I've I've got names for those podcasts now, so I want to give them, in case your listening friends want to catch those, Sparking Wholeness, Tools for Trusting Your Gut, and Sparking Wholeness and Mental Health, Erin's Story. 
So I love what you shared, Erin. It, it was such a treat. And and what's great is my kids haven't even heard them yet. And I'm already quoting you. And so like even even this, even today, you inspired me because <laughs> I was getting ready to be on the show and I knew that. And you had mentioned, in fact, well, it's probably on a in a pile on my floor, but you gave me this great <laughs> quote about thinking about your food as a way to empower your brain to think well. And I'm not quoting you well, but that was the idea. And man, I took it to heart because I usually eat for calories. You know, I'm trying to always watch my weight. And this morning I thought I'm going to be on Aaron's show. You know what? I'm going to eat to think well. I like that. <laughs> I did. I, I, you would not believe what I had for breakfast. It was like a whole plate of really nutritious, balanced, five vegetables. I'm counting my vegetables. Oh, nice. I, I didn't know that I liked five vegetables. So that was good news. <laughs> All that that's from really your funny. podcast. I mean, I, so that's what happens with me. I, I have this saying, I've always said, you don't have to be smart to be a journalist. You just have to get smart people to come talk to you. So that's, I think, the success of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Well, tell me, well, how did you even get started with your show? Where did this come from? Like, did you always want to have a podcast? I mean, I know we didn't even know what podcasts were 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? So where did it start? No. no, in fact, I had people, I was in a new, I had a newspaper column and I had people telling me I should do a blog. And I thought, I don't want my name on the internet, you know, <laughs> so ironic now. <laughs> but so it's all accidental, but except accidental unless you say God is really so faithful to guide us because every time I get prompted to do something and I feel that it's the Holy Spirit I do try to do it and I can usually tell when it's him because it's something I'm scared to do like no way do I want to do that Lord and as soon but I've learned over the years if I'll step into that fear and let it be my fuel to do the thing that's scary and also bring other people with me then he just blesses it so much. So now I've gotten where I just want to do those things, even though I'm still afraid, but. Yeah. Well, and, and you're a real person. That's what I like is you just, and, and that shows up in your writing. And so I definitely want to, I want you to be able to explain your books a little bit because they're fun to read. They're not like, Oh, I'm just going to read the serious. Like you tell your true stories. You even talk about, I'm sorry. I hope they're not, if there are kids listening, turn it off right now. We're going to talk about adult things, um, but you yeah, even talk sure. about sex in a really real way that I think is important for people to hear. And it's, yeah. there are just so many things, especially if you are, if you're part of um, a faith-based home or upbringing, yeah. there are some subjects that are taboo. So let's share, you want to talk about, let's talk about the well first. Why don't you share about that one? Okay. Well, here's what happened. I wrote the marriage book first for my kids <laughs> and it was just a collection of all my columns. And then in between the columns, there were gaps of topics that I thought if I died, I really would want my kids to know what I learned on this the hard way. I would like to help them not have to learn it the hard way. So I filled in the gaps. And when I got done, I had a manuscript, no kidding. It was probably four inches thick. And I went down to Kinko's and I printed it off and I made copies for my parents and my kids. And then they kept wanting Xeroxes of it for their friends. And that's very expensive to print this many pieces of yeah. paper at Kinko's. So I decided it would be cheaper if I found a publisher. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah, and it's just my name on the front of the book. This is the first one right up here. But um, there were so many, like that book had five editors. I had five editors wow. on that with me. So I've, I'm really self-conscious about even having just my name on the book, both of them. There've been so many people that have poured into the project. So I just love love it when, when they are acknowledged and they certainly are in both books, both my mm -hmm. publishers have worked really hard with me. So um, I like a quote by James Michener and I have it right here. He said, I'm not a very good writer, but I'm an excellent rewriter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I would add, and I find really great editors to help me. I really love your writing style. I am a lifelong reader and I'm particular about what I read, but I love the way that you add in humor with serious topics. And you also add in a little bit of your own quirkiness. I just think it's really great. But before we go any further, I want to take a minute and thank today's sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Honey. 
Honey is a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. So we all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field just taunting us at the checkout, right? But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online and it's so cool the way that it works because all that you need to do is you install this free browser extension and then when you're shopping online at any of your favorite sites you check out the honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons you wait a few seconds as honey searches for the coupons that it can find for that particular site that particular store and if honey finds a working coupon you'll watch the prices just drop down and i tried this out for myself it worked for me too it was pretty cool i was looking for a new stand mixer we have one that is super old and i needed to upgrade it a little bit get one with all the bells and whistles i found the one that i needed I clicked apply coupons I watched as the honey app went and scanned through all the different coupons for this particular store and I ended up saving $15 on this stand mixer way cool I love it and I'm not the only one that's had this happen to me either honey has over 17 million members that have saved over two billion dollars using this browser extension so if you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It is literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash wholeness. That's joinhoney.com slash wholeness. All right, Kathy, so right now we are in the middle of a time that for many people, having conversations can be difficult, can be a little bit scary, it might be divisive. And so I love how timely it is that you have a book specifically about having authentic conversations. And I'd love to know in your process of writing and putting that together, what has been your favorite thing that you've learned about communication and having authentic conversations? There's, you know, there was so much in that, in both books, I just filled them up with content that I thought would be practical, but I, I, I want to, I pull something to share about what my favorite things is. Cause I've learned so much. Um, one thing I think that's helped me more than anything else is you can't be, you can't really be known for who you are unless you're willing to step out and share who you are. And that process means developing some common sense about who is trustworthy and who is not. So I look for really trustworthy friends and then I tell them the truth about my experience. Cause I think, I think that's how you develop those real authentic friendships and conversations. I am really concerned because in our culture right now, people feel like if they blast each other enough, somehow that will persuade. And that actually is false. So there, there, one reason I became a Christian was because I, I was a spiritually, I had a spiritual heart from the beginning, but I did not want to accept Christ. I did not want a savior. That was not interesting to me. And I grew up in East Texas where, you know, we're surrounded by, uh, it's the Bible belt. Church in every corner. Yeah. I, yes. I mean, people visit here and they really can't believe that's literally true. They're so surprised, but it, it's true. There's a church on every corner, just about. So a building. So anyway, I, I, I explored probably more than 30 religions before I accepted Jesus as a 19 year old. So I began wow. in junior high reading every spiritual book I could get my hands on. And the thing that, that, that I love more than anything else about, especially about this book, the, the one that's out already, the, well, the art of drawing out authentic conversations, Jesus reached out to the woman at the well and he did not he did not beat her up at all. He disciplined himself and shared very carefully, but everything he shared was directed at letting her know he wanted to have a relationship with her. He respected and loved her and, and admired her free will, which makes sense when you think God is the one who designs free will. <laughs> so that that's one of the things I learned that he was seeking me out. And so after I studied all those religions, I thought, there's only one religion where God comes to us. 
Hmm. There are many, many religions that teach us how we have to get good enough to be going, you know, to win God's approval and his attention. But there's only one religion where God comes to us, and that is Christianity. So that's how I finally realized Hmm. I needed a savior and there wasn't, I didn't have many choices, (laughs) really just one choice. So anyway, but learning to, that book opened up my eyes to how important it is to really reach out to people with that idea that I want to have a relationship with you. And it's okay if we don't agree on everything. I can, I can handle that. Yes. Yeah. And it, well, and I, I like to think that I can handle that too. And I, gosh, I mean, I even think like on my podcast, I've had so many varying at one, at one point, somebody told me your podcast is constantly contradicting itself. And I was like, awesome. Oh. Great. <laughs> like, that's what I want. I want to have open conversations about all sorts of topics, yeah. but that's not really popular right now. And we yeah. are, you know, and I think even like when you mention the word Christian or somebody who's a Christian, right. I, that can mean different things to different people. And not everybody is seeing Christians as engaging in authentic conversation and being willing, willing to listen to other people's sides. You know what? I think, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, that is one of the things that made me not want to be a Christian. And for a long time, I wouldn't say probably five years, Dave and I didn't tell anybody we were Christians. Mm-hmm. We would say, and, and you hear people say this now, sometimes we're followers, followers of Christ. Uh, we're followers of Jesus. And, and I, I like to bring it to that level. You know, I, I didn't accept Jesus Christ because I'm perfect or spiritual. Like people always assume I'm more spiritual than I really am, Erin. I think <laughs> you and I've talked about this. And so that's, that's a crazy thing, but I got in the habit of telling people about my abortion mm. to bring that to just to bring life down to a real level so that so that people wouldn't assume things about me and put me in some category that mm-hmm. just doesn't exist for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love God, but it's because I know he came for me and he forgave me and he loves me and sought me out. And that that's my favorite thing about both books. I just want people to know, forget everything you've learned or heard. Know this, God is seeking you out and he's proven that he loves you and he wants to keep proving that in your life and it will change everything. Um, but you're right. There are some conversations that are so hard. I I don't want to have them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least not, you know, if we could just, uh, so many times I'm like, why am I even having a conversation about something on social media? You know, like that's not the place to have an authentic conversation. (laughs) That's where it gets all twisted. And that I think has added an extra dynamic. That's really hard for people to have in-person conversations that are authentic. Do you think? I don't know, because I tend to gravitate toward people like you. Like I'm looking for heroic people that don't mind telling the truth about what they've suffered. Sometimes their own, like in my case, my own suffering that I brought on myself. And then sometimes people who suffer because someone else really hurt them. So I'm looking for those people to be on the show. And, and those are the people that I meet online, but in my own life, I, I gravitate like I knew, I knew when you were, I don't know, you couldn't have been more than 15 and you kind of <laughs> challenged me on something as a little girl. And I was a grown woman, like maybe 25, <laughs> you know, whatever I was, I don't know, 35, I guess. And I thought, wow, I mean, this young woman has, a, she's gifted, like she's assertive. And so I wonder what I said, what did I say? <laughs> oh, I, I don't even remember. It's been so many years ago, <laughs> oh, but funny. that, it, that impression stayed with me. So when our dear friend, Sandra Beck, wanted to reconnect us, because she met you and asked me if I knew you. And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I don't know if she'll remember me, but I know her and I remember her. I had that really, um, really positive, a firm picture of you in my mind because of that one conversation we had when you were just mm. a child. That's so funny. Isn't that funny? But already I could see the kind of woman that you grow up to be. So I couldn't wait to see you again. And also the fact that Sandra reconnected us. She's amazing. Told me, <laughs> told me a ton about the direction you've gone, like just what I expected. So that's sweet. I don't know. I think it is maybe hard to have conversations now, but that's why I wrote the book. It's not as hard as we think it is. It, yeah. it is 
Like, I wish I'd known this stuff that we packed in the book. I wish I'd known it when I was 25. Really, that would have been oh, yeah. so much better. Yeah. Um, it would have saved me a lot of heartache. I, I had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way. So for me, that's the motive. I wanted my kids to have what they needed without having to learn it the hard way. And honestly, it's kind of a confession to them that, you know, when you're raising kids, they see everything. You're not fooling your children. And they may not see you having your argument behind the closed doors, but I remember my mother would come out and slam the doors and the cabinets in the kitchen. And I knew they'd had an argument. So your kids get the front row. Mm -hmm. And so my books for, for our family are something like a confession, like, okay, kids, this is what we did wrong. And this is what we wish we had done. And now you have two choices, plus any great choices you can think of. Just please don't do it this way. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Please don't do that. Please don't do this. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. But I, I like that. And I think what I, what I, the other impression I have of you via the book too, what I love is that you own up to your stuff because you've dealt with your stuff, because you've worked through it. Mm -hmm. And not many people are willing to go to the hard places. Not many people are willing to dig to the root of why is this happening? And I think even like marriage wise, right? Like we, we can get into the marriage conversation. Like you've, you've yeah. talked about how um, you are an excellent communicator. You're a writer, but you felt like your marriage was falling apart because of your lack of communication skills. So what is that like? Okay. Yeah. That was really frustrating. Cause I, I honestly believed that. And, and I, I want to back up just a little bit to something you said a minute ago. Um, the right message can change a person's life instantly. And I know that because even today, I can't even remember what I was doing, but it wasn't fixing my breakfast. It was something else. And something you said came back to me. And I thought, I'm going to do that differently because she's right. I don't want to do it that way anymore. So just a, one conversation we had that those two podcasts, there was so much you packed into that. That was life-changing for me already. It's starting to just pop up like little seedlings in my life. So that's why I'm on the internet because I know the right seed can grow into a sprout and then a tree. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really, I wish, you know, one thing that just Dave and I discovered is once we started saying to our friends, oh, by the way, we're, we're not doing this very well and, and we're not gonna make it. We don't think our marriage is gonna make it. It's too hard and we're too angry with each other. And we've already spent years in counseling. This is not working. And maybe we would be better off divorced. So once we started saying that, lo and behold, there were other people, many other people in our life that had been suffering the same way. And they just weren't free enough to share it. But I always had the feeling like, I told David years before, when we first got married, I told him, we will never get divorced without our friends knowing about it first. Because I'd had friends do that. They got divorced and I didn't even know they were having problems. And I wanted to be able to pray for them. I wanted to say something that might help. I at least wanted to come alongside of them in their pain. So then when it became us and we were having problems, I was finding out who my real friends were. I was telling them. And I know that was hard on my husband in many ways, but it did hold him accountable. And he was, he was gracious enough and loved me enough to step into that with me. So that when we got past it, I mean, now he's like, giving titles to the books like he wanted to name the marriage book you'll love this Dave's sexy communication book no we are not naming the people think we're writing about sexting honey we are not we're not calling it that <laughs> sexy communication that's funny <laughs> yeah he's pretty sure he's the star of the book <laughs> I mean, he is really kind of, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have it without him. So <laughs> any man that can tolerate the kind of intensity that we went through is really a hero because we're both intensive, passionate people. Hmm. And so a lot of our conversations and especially our arguments tended to move that direction. So yeah, he's a hero. All right. He really is. Well, and you use the phrasing conversation adventure, which I just thought was, I, I loved it. So can you explain what, what's a conversation adventure and why are you, why do you call it that? Well, because I like to avoid a uh, conflict, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I, and I have such an outgoing personality that people might be surprised to know I tend to do both. I mean, I have some kids that are extroverts, some that are introverts, and maybe one that's an ambivert. 
And I tend to be that way. I'm when I'm with you, I'm 100% engaged. But when I step back, I like to be still and know that God is God. And I like the quiet. So uh, for conversational adventure, what that did was that helped me think about, okay, I truly believe that a conversation can change a life. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, mm -hmm. I might be, I might be wrong about that. So in figuring out where the truth was in that idea, I realized, okay, if I think about it as an adventure, if we're going on a family vacation, for instance, I'm not going to go on a family vacation without some planning. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to do while I'm there. I know which snacks to pack for which kids. And if I need to take a little can, because with toddlers, you may have bodily fluids at any oh, minute. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So those are all things that you take into account as a mom when you're going on an adventure with your family, like camping or something. And so in the same way, conversation is a lot that way I've, I've learned. It's not, I mean, I talk, well, you know, I'm great at talking, but that doesn't mean I'm actually effective mm -hmm. at talking. So I've learned that communication is more of a spiritual dis discipline than I ever realized, mm -hmm. as is fun. Like some of my friends who've read the chapter on fun cannot believe how freeing it is to think of fun as a spiritual discipline. Yeah. I mean, isn't that great? And then um, I had several others that I wrote down in a list. And my, if you can see my desk, it's a mess. So I have piles of paper as if that will make me easier to interview. <laughs> piles of paper are not helping. But so there's fun as a spiritual discipline. Communication definitely is. And even your family, thinking about your family and the mission that, you, that God wants you to have for your family. In your line of work, Erin, I mean, the minister... I know it's a business, but the ministry that you have, the way you minister to their whole, my whole person, not just my nutrition needs, but helping me rethink how I even think about food just today. Mm -hmm. um, that, that is, that's all, that doesn't happen accidentally. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we, our passions that we really begin to become very intentional about. So the reason I use conversational adventure is it gives us a chance to say, yeah, there's risk here. Yeah, We might have a flat tire on our next family vacation, but we're still going to take it. You know, there's risk in having certain conversations. That's one reason I love this book, The Well, and that whole chapter in John 4. It's really half a chapter. And we pulled out 40 principles, amazing principles in that chapter but he, she went from isolation to influence in one conversation. But the reason I like that book so much is it's really a whole skill set that, so you have a small conversation today and maybe you got from Tyler to Dallas, but your real goal is to get to California, right? Or maybe even go all the way up the West Coast in British Columbia. No, British, Cal I can't even say it. Uh, I'm thinking of the place that we went to on the west coast of Canada. So forgive me if my geography scrambled. Anyway, I have no idea. I'm not a geography <laughs> expert. So <laughs> I think I may have flipped. I'm not sure if my husband was here, he'd be laughing at me because he funny. grew up in Canada. But it, wherever he's taking me in Canada, no matter where you're going, sometimes sometimes those conversations are not one stop, does it? many conversations they're like a whole journey that you have to go through the process to get there so that's one one thing i loved about writing that book it gave me more skill sets to draw from mm. yeah and i think we all need that yeah no and that i really like what you said about um going from isolation to influence and however many verses that's that's so true and it is such a beautiful picture of how a conversation one conversation can be yeah. life-changing. And I, I guess, you know, for people who are listening and who are thinking, well, gosh, I, I go on conversational adventures with my spouse all the time and we get heated and we start yelling and, yes. you know, he shuts down and I push forward and then he leaves and then I'm stuck crying. Like what, what do we do when we're trying to communicate effectively, but there's so many emotions involved. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked that. I, I, I've been there. I do that all the time. I mean, we had one last week and 
he said something in that conversation that was kind of an analogy and I picked up on it and I thought, wait a minute, that is the perfect analogy. If I could just think about it 24 hours, I can come back to him and use his analogy in a way that will put me in the picture and help him understand my perspective. So that's exactly what I did. I paused, I prayed, I pondered, and then I proceeded judiciously. But I have to share one story for you, for, for, with you from early in our marriage, because I think it's so funny. So we were having this major bash, like just going at it, arguing, and two very opinionated people not agreeing and neither one of us willing to admit any bit of wrong in anything, okay? That's us. And, and so he said, well, I'm going to take this to the counselor. I'm making a list right now. And he started making his list of things he was going to tell our counselor. And he was, he was writing really fast. I mean, it was kind of unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really mad and I thought, I'm just leaving and I'm going to go make my own list. And I got a yellow pad and a pen and I got in my car and I drove away and I got around the corner and I live out in the country and I pulled over next to some pasture with some really bucolic cows and things. And the Lord told me, I want you to make a list, but I want you to make one of why you married David in the first place. And, and I'll just tell you, I was not really excited about that. That was not my intention at all. But it was one of those moments where I knew his voice and I obeyed him. And I started listing all the reasons I'd married him in the first place. And so that became my pattern. Whenever we would have these terrible arguments, I would go off and I would make the list again until finally I knew it by heart and I didn't have to write it anymore. So that is a great, I think I like I'm going to share that in the book. I can't remember, but for sure, that is a great strategy. If you want to change your mindset about why you're in this adventure together of marriage. Um, I learned a lot from doing that. Uh, but that didn't keep us from having arguments. I will tell you, I, I can't remember which book it is. I'm starting to get them both confused, but one of them, <laughs> one of them, I can, I probably have a paper here with the, one of them has a whole, uh, let's see, which one is it? I think it's the marriage book, how to change an argument back into a conversation. Let's see. I'm not finding it here. So, uh, Yes. Okay. Chapter 15 in the marriage book. Okay. That's some, yeah. I love that chapter. It's one of my favorite personally, because I needed it so badly. And I don't remember if I shared in that chapter about my clues for when I'm being argumentative, but that's really a good information. <laughs> yeah. All stuff I learned the hard way. Like, okay. I had a friend challenge me on that, you know, how do you know when you're being argumentative? And I honestly didn't know because I was pretty argumentative. So it's funny. It's, it's hard because sometimes, you know, like I'll just as an example for us a couple days ago, it, you know, we still have young kids at home who are very perceptive. And like you mentioned early, we'll yes. hear things and pick up on things. And my husband and I are having kind of a, not really an argument, but I'm, I'm talking about how I'm overwhelmed and, you know, could use some more, maybe you could do this to help me out with my overwhelm. And I don't really understand it. Well, my little one, Rhett, he comes in, he's four, he's always in an imaginary world. And he goes, are you talking about a dream you had, or is this real life? Oh, <laughs> it's like, so um, <laughs> I, had, I did have a weird dream last night, Rhett, but you <laughs> that's a realistic conversation. You know, and I'm real open and honest with my kids. Like yeah. I'm having a hard day today and it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be emotional, but they pick up on that, you know? And it's yeah. like, and, and sometimes these things will hit when kids are around. And you also talk about how um, there are times that it's important to withdraw from conversations yes. and take yes. a step back. So maybe you yes. can share a little bit about that. I'm so glad you asked me about that. That was actually kind of a nuance for me. I think I mentioned in the book, I had a friend say to me, I love this quote. He said, well, the good news is you don't have to, oh, how did he put it? I'm going to go blank. I, I'm okay. I totally lost it. It's like conduct an inquiry, like, oh, an, an intervention. You don't have to conduct an intervention. And I thought, oh, that's, I needed to hear that. So here, here's my personal rule for when it's time to withdraw one thing that I noticed in when I was writing the well, Jesus, he sought out the woman at the well, I believe, and I write some reasons to support that in the book, but he was withdrawing from Pharisees who have really been challenging him. 
And so in the book, I point out this important point. He loved the fair. This I think is hard for us to remember. He loved the Pharisees as much as he loved the woman at the well mm. or any of his disciples or, or any of the people that we admire in the Bible. He loved each one of them and the Pharisees just as much. And not only that, he wanted the Pharisees to have great marriages. He wanted them to have great families, but it's really hard to have a great family as a leader if you're not listening to your wife. Mm. And that happens so much. It happens so much. Mm. And I, I have a lot of theories about why I think we're especially prone to it now in the culture we live in right now. But I mean, it just would be speculation. So I won't burden you with that. But, but we are living in a time when that's a real problem. The leadership is a very big problem right now. It's really confusing for people. So my rule for how to know when it's time to withdraw, I try to think what is best for the other person. Mm. I try never to shun people. I actually saw an article this week about when it's appropriate to shun people at church. I was like, no, it's just not. Like, that just sounds so counterintuitive. I know. I know. I know. So I like the word retreat or withdraw because we can go on a spiritual retreat and it's yeah. a personal thing and it's very mm -hmm. refreshing and good and healthy. Mm -hmm. So I like that word retreat, but I like it with the idea that I'm not disengaging. I'm just yeah. giving you some space here. I've shared something that I think is important. I'm going to give you time to process it. And so that is a case of do unto others, especially when it's your husband. I know there are times when I just need to think about what he said. And, and I, I really appreciate it when he gives me time. And sometimes it might take a week or two for me to really think through, okay, am I willing to be accountable to the budget? <laughs> like, let me decide after I spend some money. Okay, I'll get back yeah. to you on that. But we all have those moments. And so I think our husbands have them too, where the most golden rule kind of way to treat him is to give him the same space that we would want to mm -hmm. process and make a decision about how we want to live together. I think we owe it to them to do that. But what I see Jesus doing is loving the Pharisees, withdrawing from them for two reasons, giving them time to process, to you know, to wake up, we know it, Nicodemus woke up and came searching for Jesus. So something about that word, he gave him time to process, but also he, there was danger to, uh, there was collateral da danger for people because the crowds were so violent in the way they responded to him that they could actually try to kill him, mob, violence. I mean, that's pretty familiar right now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he withdrew in order to probably protect the collateral damage of other innocent bystanders, but also because it was the most loving thing he could do for the Pharisees. I just never thought of that. I don't know how, how that that's, this time. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make because I think about so many people right now are saying, well, if you're if you're being silent, then you are complicit in what's happening and you aren't owning up. And I think that for some of us, we're being silent because we've got to step away and assess what our role is, what how we can respond, how can we be loving? And so I don't think that that being silent means that you're just going along with everything and withdrawing means okay, well I'm okay with that. Sometimes we just need some time to gather ourselves and figure out where we stand on an issue or where we want to proceed or how we want to respond next instead of just reacting quickly without thinking, you know. Yeah, I think I think one thing that we're seeing a lot of is bullying right now, mm -hmm. verbal bullying. So we do have to be careful about that. We don't want to participate in that at all. And if if somebody who is more inclined toward our views is a bully, then we do have some obligation to challenge them on that. But telling them they're a bully is probably not going to work. So it is really necessary in that case to step back, pause, ponder, pray, proceed judiciously because you you want to be effective when you finally do have that conversation with your with a friend especially who might be a, like there's a lot of people right now that believe that if they just say their opinion over and over because it's true they think it will be convincing and that's simply not very practical actually it doesn't work very well there's no discipline in that. Mm -hmm. To me, that was the other thing that I think I learned writing the, the well is there's a real discipline in learning to speak creatively. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as a mom, don't young moms all know this? Oh, like, yeah. You know, what works with one kid is not going to work with another <laughs> kid. And so moms know there's a discipline in communicating with your children. It, ta- mm-hmm. it requires real creative thought. But then as adults, we kind of let that go. And we don't think to ourselves, I need to discipline myself to be creative and engage this adult's imagination. Yeah. So that they'll That's respond true. to the truth that I believe God wants me to share with them. Mm. But I, I got to tell you, Erin, I always think, I, I tell this to my kids all the time. God is all knowing. Kathy is not. Mom is not all knowing. And that's okay. I can be like when we homeschooled, I, I immediately, the, the big girls that are closer to your age, they, I told them immediately, I'm going to try to teach you at home, but I may not always be right. And y'all are very smart. <laughs> so if you happen to notice, I'll remember that one. Me, I need to know where I'm messing up. You know, I, I want to, I don't want to be wrong and like dogmatic about it. Yeah, Yeah, no, that that's good. And I I think, you know, you just, there's no use for a blanket. You've got to be creative. We can't make these big blanket statements because not everybody's going to receive everything the same way. Not everybody has been through the same thing. And so I think, you know, that just going back to the danger of how people are communicating now, it's, it's causing a lot of problems. So what about, you know, I think about times and even just in my own marriage and possibly currently not going to give anything away, but we have times where, I don't know, maybe our hormones are changing a little bit oh, or yeah. we have oh, times yeah. of transition or we have a new baby or we have um, work stress or school. I mean, hello, 2020 was such yeah. a shift for everybody. And I think all marriages, I, I think 2020 exposed a lot of issues in marriages, you know? So how can we um, transform our relationships through better conversations in light of all of these life interrupters? You know, I think it's so important to think about that because if you think, if you think pregnancy is bad, wait till you get to menopause. <laughs> There's a lot of hormonal things that happen. And and I don't think those things are accidental. Obviously, God designed us in such a beautiful way as women. And um, part of that is what we experience, all this passion and and mm-hmm. in, in our weakness. He's he's made strong in our in our weakness. So there's some glory in that, I'm telling you. But it's also painful at times. Yeah, I think for for all of us this year, one of the big challenges has been to learn to talk about it uh, carefully. Um, I'm trying to think if if anybody's listening and they've had a really bad year. One of the things that one of the reasons my marriage kind of got off the tracks like it did is I was a really poor negotiator and I married a guy in the oil business and all they do is negotiate all the time. <laughs> They're, they are always making deals. And one of his, one of his things is um, if, if God is in it, everybody gets a blessing. So when you're, when you're making a deal and your husband seems to be winning all the time, that's not good. In my case, I, he's a strong person and he had a strong vision for how he wanted to lead our family. And I'm a strong person too, but I, I just love him, you know, and that's pretty typical. As a wife, we, we marry somebody we love and admire and want to have children with, and then we, we want them to leave. But I was kind of getting swept aside, like my values and my, my vision. And, and I just felt like I was losing myself. I think there's a place for serving your children when they're little like that. I mean, you almost don't have a choice. Mm, who has true. energy? Who has energy to do anything else? I mean, in some ways you've just got to you just got to hang on by your fingernails till you get past that stage as best you can mm. and and go to bed. Like I love what you're doing, encouraging people to sleep, um, eat right, all those things that make us better equipped for our day cuz God really intends for us to be good mommies, you know? Yeah. Good good moms. I watch my kids doing it. I'm so proud of them. They're just doing such a great job, but it's not easy. It's a hard job. So uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought thinking about how hard it is to be a mommy. <laughs> is, is that like some trauma peeping through? So I kind of lost myself in that process and what I, what I discovered. And so I wrote a whole chapter on just learning how to negotiate it. No, well, knowing what you want and knowing how to ask for it. So there's a chapter on that. There's also a chapter, and I think these things go together really well. There's a chapter on how we accidentally had a family mission statement. Our family mission 
statement goes, it's actually our purpose statement. The purpose of our family is to create a safe place where people feel safe to be real and to know God the way he truly is. Notice we put safe in there twice. I think that's so interesting when I look at it in retrospect, but being in a safe place where you could be real and experience God as he truly is. My husband was way ahead of me on that. I had no idea that could be a purpose for a family or, or that you would write it down. So I'm really proud of him for thinking about so your mission statement, your personal etiquette, which is basically what you think is right or wrong and what you're willing to put up with and patterns that you want to establish, basically good manners. So personal etiquette, a mission or a purpose statement, and then being able to negotiate and ask for what you really want. Those things work together really well. And so they're very complimentary. And, and there's 20 chapters in that book. The first eight are foundational. The last 12 are all things like that. One thing after another of stuff that I found worked, at least at our house. And so everybody has to figure out what will work at their house. But for sure, I want to offer you anything I learned the hard way. So you don't have to do it. You don't have to learn it the hard way. I know we need to wrap up, Aaron, but there's one thing that I think is so crucial and it's really, really appropriate in marriage. But have you ever noticed when you go to parties, there's always a woman and in my life, it's a special friend who I knew if we showed up at the same place, she was going to be like across the room, glad to see me. Kathy, you know, and she would come straight to me, wrap her arms around me and make me feel welcome. And I learned from her how to welcome other people. And probably other people may think we're a little crazy with that, but we, we do, we do it big. We make sure people know when they come to see us, we are glad to see them, whether it's at a gathering at church or wherever, or at home. And what I learned from her, this beautiful friend over the years, I didn't know this when she started it, you know, 40 years ago, but now I know when you welcome other people that way, you teach yourself that you deserve that kind of welcome. So when people don't welcome you that way, like some people call it hospitality, but I think it's bigger than that. It's really your whole heart. Yeah. When you see your friend who maybe was grumpy last time or is having hormones or whatever, last time you talked to them, can you still greet them like they deserve to be loved. I mean, I find that hard. And so I learned that is another one of those spiritual disciplines, mm -hmm. but the great news is it is the counter. It's like the anti, what do you call that? Like the, the, the vaccination or whatever. The antidote? It's the opposite. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I could not think of it. Oh my gosh. I have a great vocabulary, but most of it, I can't remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> so sad. <laughs> anyway, the, it's the antidote because it's the antidote to self-condemnation. Mm. And we all struggle with that. We all have these negative thoughts. I, I going on the show today. I mean, you should see all the little pieces of paper I thought would make me better at speaking, which they don't, don't help. <laughs> so the self-condemnation that we feel or negative self-talk, welcoming other people teaches us that we deserve to be welcomed. And what's interesting about that is that is exactly how God views us. Yeah. Like he welcomes us. He is so glad to see us. I love that. <laughs> I, that was my last thing. No, I love it. We're having some weird, I think some weird internet issues right now, but I, I would love to ask if, if our internet connection will allow us, um, if you yeah. could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? Oh, wholeness is such a good thing. And I think the welcoming others is probably because you don't want to live in that self-condemnation. But I would also say, don't miss a chance. If you're like me and you have to study 30 religions to get there, don't miss a chance to understand that God of the universe sent his son to seek you out because you are dear to his heart. As a wife, we know in her predisposed to seek wisdom and you won't hear that much from the pulpit but it's still true <laughs> we know in genesis and the the beginning of the bible the story there about eve she was seeking wisdom and the the devil satan tempted her to to sin and to disregard god's instructions because she was he knew what he understood he was paying attention he knew what her strength was mm. her strength was that she came pre-programmed 
to seek wisdom. And so you, you have a pre-program, especially for female to seek wisdom, but whatever else is in your little, you know, your little apps that came on the computer that is you, God loves those things about you. He's, he's designed it for a purpose. So that would be my thing. He's seeking you. He wants to, he wants to turn on your apps and get you rolling and doing all the things he designed you to do. I love that so much. And I I love just the, the being pre-programmed to seek wisdom. And we talk a lot on the show about trusting your mother's intuition, trusting your gut. Right. And like, and, and that's, and that's part of who we are as, as females. So I definitely want to make sure that your website gets a shout out. People can find you at www.kathy with a C that's C-A-T-H-Y crafty. And that crafty is spelled K-R-A-F-V-E.com. That will be in the show notes. Your podcast is Fireside Talk Radio and your books are available where? Let, let us know where we can get your books. Well, for sure you can get them from either publisher and that would be Elk Lake Publishing and, and Cross River Media, but also Amazon.com. That's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I order them all three places. But yeah. I... Honestly, I love local bookstores best, and I would like to see more of them there. So if you happen to hear this in your local bookstore owner, call me. We will work it out. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show and for, you know, battling through this weird, sketchy internet connection we got at the end, which I don't think is coincidental. So I appreciate every bit of wisdom that you've offered and everything you've shared. And I think it's going to be really enlightening for a lot of people. Erin, I'm just so honored to be on your show. I I love what you're doing. You know, it's life-changing for me. Just a few more conversations. I can't wait to find out what I'm going to learn next. Yeah, I love that. Yes, well, thanks again. This was really fun. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.